Hi, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to another episode of Drunken PM Radio. This is the fourth episode of the podcast, and the focus this time is going to be a little bit different. What we're going to be talking about in this podcast is gender bias as it relates to project management. Now, this is a sensitive topic, and I'm hoping that if nothing else, the two interviews you're going to hear will help raise awareness for men and for women about how gender bias impacts our work and specifically how it can impact what we do in project management. I'd like to start out by thanking all four of the women who are willing to give their time and participate in the podcast. The first interview features Larissa Scordato, Patrice Colincheco Embry, and Tara Caldwell-Simon, who all work in the digital project management space. And the second interview features Natalie Warner, who's an Agile coach. I also want to thank Projects at Work because they're the sponsor of this podcast. Projects at Work is an online community of practitioners and thought leaders who are breaking down barriers and building bridges to better manage projects, programs, portfolios, and teams. If you like this podcast, please check out projectsatwork.com where you'll find lots of valuable information on how to get better at your craft, as well as a ton of other podcasts that I've recorded in the past. And now, on to the interviews. Hi, this is Dave Pryor for Projects at Work. We're doing a podcast today with a very specific, sort of sensitive topic that I'm going to try not to make too much of a mess of. And I'm joined uh, by three people who um, have been willing to take time to talk about this this issue. And I think it's a really important thing. So I'd like to welcome uh, Tira Simon, Patrice Colincheco Embry. Did I get it right? Yes. Cool. And Larissa Scordato, thank you all for being here. I'm trying not to use the word guys. Thank you all for being on the, on the interview today. Um, so, so for the folks listening, this is a conversation that started around, um, International Women's Day. There's a, a, a Slack channel that we're all part of and people were posting different articles around some of the topics that are related to women in the workplace. And it started a conversation about, uh, women in project management and some of the challenges that they face. Um, so we're going to get to that in a second. But first, I would like to ask uh, if you could each introduce yourselves, give a little bit about your background and how long you've been working in project management. Um, Larissa, Larissa, do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, so I'm Larissa, and I, I've i been working in design project management for um, between like four and five years now, um, and then doing project management in general for um, – gosh, about 10 years in one form or another with a short break for um, teaching at university. But um, I am currently based in Seattle. I just left Arizona and moved up to Seattle with my husband and our dogs. And uh, I work now uh, remote. So I work at home and I work for an entirely remote agency that has people all over the world. In fact, um, I'm actually the only American that works for them right now, um, aside from a couple of contractors. And uh, yeah, that's me. So you do all this project management without ever seeing these people in person? Uh, well, video chat. Right, but not physically seeing Not physically. We do get together once a year. There's an opportunity for us to meet. Um, I think this year we're going to meet in Toronto Okay. Um, for like a week. Cool. So we'll get together and we'll all um, you know, spend a week together. And we do a little bit of work, but it's mostly just you know hanging out and getting to know each other better in person. Cool. Awesome. But uh, yeah, otherwise we don't see each other at all. That's that's probably a whole other thing we should talk about in another in another interview. Um, Patrice, do you want to go next? Sure. My name is Patrice Colincheco Embry, and I've been a project manager in one form or another. I just did the math for eighteen years, uh, so it's been a little while for me. Um, I now work as a digital producer for a remote. Uh, well, there's some brick and mortar offices, but I work remotely as do probably 60% of the company I, I work for now. Okay, cool. And Tara? I'm Tara and I've been doing project management now for 14 years, uh, currently residing in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I work for a technology firm where none of us are remote. We are all hand in hand in the office. I've been there for about five years and now I'm acting as their director of client engagement. So operating as the bridge between all the project managers, account managers and clients. Cool. All right. Thank you. Do you want to introduce your dog just in case we hear your dog? <laughs> yes. If you hear a really loud, obnoxious dog, that is uh, Dexter, my personal serial killer. Um, <laughs> he is a crotchety old man at 10 years of young age, and he loves to bark at anything that walks by. So if you hear him, he apologizes. <laughs> right. uh, side note, this is Larissa. If you hear um, another dog, like a beagle, 
howling uncontrollably. That is also Dexter. Wow. <laughs> and he's he's also a little bit insane. So, Patrice, do you have an animal named Dexter in your house? I do not have an animal <laughs> named Dexter yet, but I'm considering <laughs> it now. Obviously, you're going to have to now. Yes. Cool. All right. So, so thank you for for taking time out for this. Um, the topic that we that we were talking about online was about some of the challenges that women face as project managers. And I'm going to try to present this as best I can and see what you guys want to do to tear me into little pieces about it. But um, I would say that in general, when people are working in project management, they they often have trouble establishing credibility and being taken seriously because a lot of people still tend to look at PMs as if they don't really do much except watch other people work, which we all know isn't the case. Um, but layered on top of that, in many instances, being a female can bring an additional level of challenge to trying to do this job where your 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 work is basically to get other people to work. Um, is that a fair way to assess kind of a starting point, or at least for the conversation? Yeah, yeah, I, think that's I fair. definitely think so. Okay. So can you guys share um, – see, there I go. I can't even stop myself from doing it. Can it's you, hard, though. What's the alternative? It's so so embedded into our vernacular. Yes, it is. And it, and I've become more sensitive to it since we started talking about all this stuff, and it's me. <laughs> like hypersensitive to how I'm talking, and I'm trying to be extra careful with this topic. So are any of you um, willing to share maybe an example of some of the challenges that you have faced um, where – being a female project manager has been has maybe made made doing the work a little more challenging than what you've seen for maybe male counterparts who are project managers. Um, I'm happy to jump in. This is Tara. So when I first started project management, I was working for a small gaming company up in New York City. And at the time, I was their senior project manager. I was also their only project manager. And I ran into quite a few incidences where, because I was young, and I don't know if it was because I was female or, you know, whatever, but I worked with a lot of major corporations um, and a lot in the financial realm. And whenever I would try and communicate or explain sort of where things were with the project or articulate the work that we were completing, at times I would have the you know client that I was speaking with would sort of hush me or would turn to speak to the owner of the company who you know, was nowhere near as familiar with the project as I was, but it felt as though he was looking at it as being there was more authority coming from him than there was from this little Southern girl that was trying to explain something to the big financial dude, which, you know, was always frustrating for me, especially, you know, when I knew everything about that project. Do you think that your boss was also, or whoever that the male was, was the male also frustrated by that or did they react to it all? He definitely, I could tell that he was frustrated by the way the client was behaving, mainly because what he would tend to do is would turn and direct the conversation back to me and would say, well, you know, Tara has the information on that. Um, And I think what probably would rub us both the wrong way is I could say something like I could sit here and say, you know, we really think green is the best color for this. And the client would say, you know, well, you, I, I don't know, just green's not my color. And then five minutes later, my boss would say, you know, we really think green is the right color, the right approach for this. And next thing you know, it's the world's greatest idea that green is this wonderful color. And why didn't I say it first? So that was kind of a lot of the frustration that we would experience. Okay, so they wouldn't really Absolutely. accept the idea until it came from a from a male. Pretty much. Or someone that was, in his mind, um, more authoritative, I guess. I, I, apparently, I wasn't authoritative enough for him. Which could be because you're female or because you were young. Or maybe the combination, southern, southern I think it was. Well. I think it was a combination of both. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and Larissa and Patrice, have you experienced similar Definitely. types of behaviors? Um, I, uh, I recently in the past year actually had a project that my, so, um, my boss at the time, um, had sold the project and, uh, we, you know, we did the project kickoff and, um, there was a big, a big team of stakeholders and, um, all male stakeholders. And, uh, we got to a point where we were starting to present plans for, um, how we're going to, you know, kind of structure 
the project and how things are going to move forward and the types of deliverables they could expect to see over, over the next, you know, two weeks, months, six months, et cetera. And every time I would post something or send something, um, the initial response was like, that's an interesting idea. Let's wait and see what, you know, insert male counterpart's name says. <laughs> that's going to make I'm, you feel really good. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm like, okay. So I, you know, I talked to my team, I talked to the, you know, the other DPMs that I'm in Slack with about it. Um, I think that's part of where this conversation started, but I was like, you know, I wonder if like, am I being hypersensitive here? I wonder if this is like a, a sexist thing because I'm a, I'm a female. Um, and, uh, somebody had made the suggestion to pull my team aside and say, Hey guys, like I'm noticing this. If you're noticing this, like, this is how I'm feeling. Maybe we could try and have you guys like support me a little bit more verbally. And so what we've been doing, what we started to do, um, because initially my team was like, I think that's maybe not how it is. And I'm like, well, here's a bunch of screenshots of our conversations, you know? So actually it is, this is actually how it is. And that's, that's sort of a tricky thing because I mean, I've had people who say, you know, this is happening and sometimes it is happening. And I've also had situations where the other person is just not, not command and male or female, not commanding the presence that that they need to, to get the attention. Yeah, because that was the first the first thought. I was like, maybe I need to restructure the way I'm communicating this. You know, maybe maybe it's not their best communication style. Maybe I should you know alter the way I'm speaking. And and I asked the team, and they're like, no, you're you're very direct. Like you're not you know beating around anything. You're just being like, this is how it should be based upon this. This is why, etc. So we reposted what we thought the plan should be for the project, and then I had my my male counterparts on the project respond immediately and be like, Hey, Larissa, that's a great idea. That's exactly how we should do it. And all of a sudden the client's like, yeah, that is a good idea. Let's move forward this way. So, so I, I want to ask all three of you this question. Do you think that that is, obviously there's some kind of bias in place there. Obviously there's something going on with the customer and that may not be something that you can actually impact, but is this a valid solution or is it just fostering the dysfunction even further? I'll step in to say that I think it's great that they did that for Larissa, but I think it's sometimes hard to even find internally people who will admit to admit to that. So it's kudos to who you were working with, Larissa, to, that they would you know say, yeah, you're right, uh, because I think a lot of times, even if a client were to feel that way um, and you tried to do something about that internally there would be a decent number of people who may think you're just being oversensitive. And that's really rough because then you start thinking maybe I'm just being oversensitive and that gets you to continue to allow the behavior to continue whether it is or it isn't because you're constantly telling yourself that you must be overreacting. So I'm glad Larissa that you had people that would back you up for that. I I think that's a rare thing. And and you had the courage to say it and to, to bring it up at all. Well, I did. I mean, it was weird. Like, I mean, I qualified it with several people before I even took it to my team, which I feel like is another thing, like another struggle that I have. And I don't know, I, I would imagine that other people probably feel the same way, but you know, when I initially started to feel it, it was like, no, no, you're just, I'm being crazy. Like I'm not, I'm seeing something that's not there. <laughs> there's, and a, then- there's a male voice inside your head somewhere talking <laughs> you down. <laughs> yeah, Stop being such a woman. Exactly. Well, I think some of it I think some of it too comes with experience. So I know for me when I first started out I was less self-assured of myself and of my skill set and I would tend to think okay well maybe this person is right like maybe I'm doing something wrong or maybe I'm not very good at you know this position at this job and you know having over a decade of experience at it now you kind of start to grow into your own self-assurance. And, you know, today I feel like I don't experience it quite as much, or if I do, I'm more willing to stand up for myself and, you know, kind of nip it in the bud before it goes too far. So I, I want, I'm wondering something about this, this particular situation, because I've, I've worked with a lot of different consultants and some of them are the kind that walk into the room and whatever's going on, they just take the room. Like that's just the way that they work. And there's other ones who stand there waiting to be told it's okay to stand up in front of the room and talk. And I've seen that occur equally, I would say for male, for men and for women. But it does seem like 
I don't know. There's like this, I don't know if the word bias is right or if there's some other, other thing where it's like being a woman, they might pause a second longer or the men might not give them the floor as easily. Um, and I'm wondering if that's just me being a white guy thinking that, or if, if you guys have seen that as well. I mean, does taking the room, having that commanding presence here that you just mentioned, is that something that just comes with experience and hard knocks? Um, and is it harder I, if you're female to, to get to that state? Um, for me, it definitely came from experience. Uh, I, I'm a very confident individual. You guys know me. So I think, you know, I'm kind of a clown anyways. Um, but I can tell you that there's been times where I've walked into a boardroom and there will be 10 men and me. And that is a very intimidating situation to put yourself in. And sometimes there have been incidences where I feel like I have to talk over others to be heard. And that I think is a struggle that almost any woman probably has felt in some way, shape or form, especially in the workplace. I totally agree. I I feel like, you know, it doesn't matter how confident you are, how commanding you can be um, as a woman, there's going to be a place and time where you are going to feel you're not heard, especially if you have a whole bunch of men in the room with you. And what's interesting is if there does happen to be another woman in the room with you, she's going to know exactly what's going on and try to help you out because I think we all sort of have that kindred understanding of what's going on. Yeah. So I think too, oh, it's, sorry to interrupt. Um, <laughs> do wait, 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 wait. Don't oh, we say have you're to sorry for interrupting. Sorry you can't yeah, do that. <laughs> Just thing. go. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Good. (laughs) Um, I think the other thing too, though, as project managers in general, like, um, you know, I always think about um, that quote that Nancy Lyons gave at the DPM summit a few years ago, and I'm going to mess it up right now, but it was basically something like if project management's going well, you can't see it at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And hers was way funnier the way it was worded, but um, that's very true. So I think as project managers in general, like, there are moments where we need to take control of the room and we need to move things along and time box things and whatnot. But if we're doing, you know, I mean, at least in my experience, when I've got a group of people and we're presenting to a client or we're doing a collaboration session, a lot of the times, like I may sort of introduce everyone at the beginning and start the meeting off, but I let my designers or my content strategists take over and really facilitate because that's, that's their job. That's what they do. You know, they're the ones presenting the work. Like, you know, they're the ones having that interaction. And so as a project manager, you have to know like when to take control, when not to. And I wonder if being a female project manager sort of adds to that struggle too. I think that 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 probably does play into it. I mean, I think it it may be, I'm the same way. I like to let other people take the room first and I only jump in when I have to. But when I do jump in, there's not really, it doesn't seem weird or, I mean, I've seen female project managers jump in and people are like, why are you talking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, why are you talking? Why don't you sit in the corner and take notes? So, so it's if- the whole note taking thing too, that, that tends to happen, I think more to female project managers than, uh, than probably their male counterparts, because I don't think I've ever experienced anyone asking a male project manager if they would mind taking notes during a meeting. Do you see them offering to take notes though? No. Mm-mm. Well, no so, one ever. You know, I, everyone hates taking notes, so I don't think anyone. No one's offering. I actually really. I like just had like. <laughs> I have a joy. I just had like the. Sometimes I have like the like, strangest. I have a I was gonna say. Degree. I love taking notes. Oh my goodness! I have. <laughs> I, I actually had like the fair. strangest thing happen recently, where I was doing. It was like a a quick huddle that we were doing with the client, and we ran through. You know, it was basically like. A scrum huddle, you know, it's like, what did you do yesterday? What do you plan to do today? Anyone have any roadblocks done? And the usual person that is there that like scribes like the, you know, what was said and we'll send it out to the group wasn't on the call. And my client who is male goes, Tara, can you send the notes out for me on that? Okay, great. Thanks. Like, and I hadn't even said anything. I immediately, and I'm just like, uh, okay. I immediately get like, I look over at my like coworker that's looking at me and I'm kind of like WTF, like what just happened here? And he's like shrugging his shoulders. We got off the call, not five minutes later, my cell phone's blowing up and it's my client. And he was like, Oh my God, that was so rude of me. He was like, it, it is not your job to 
you know, document notes for us. I should have never asked you that. And all of a sudden, like any anger that I felt just completely disappeared because he was so upset at himself that I was like, oh, it's fine. I was actually typing them anyways. No problem. Then I was like, no, wait, I shouldn't let him get off so easy. So that's a big deal, I think, because there, I, generationally, I mean, I can see where an older generation might um, look at some women in the room as if they were more secretarial. Absolutely. And I more often than not have been the person to volunteer to take notes because I always saw that as part of my job. But now that's changed. Only I think that people um, who've been, let's say, a project manager, male project manager for like 20 years, they may have this response like your client did without even realizing what they're saying. And then afterwards, it's like, oh, I can't believe I did that, Um, which doesn't necessarily make it any better because they still did it. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. It was in. You know, it's like it was kind of his first nature. You know, he's he has all women that are on his team. His women are the women that are on the team are the ones that are always sort of um, taking notes during the meetings, are scheduling the meetings, everything else. And he just sort of he's sort of like the the ideas guy, you know, and it's he throws out the ideas and expects everyone else to kind of go along with them. He's the rooster. And, <laughs> and he's and I think he was just he was just in that zone and in that moment that all like for whatever reason, his usual person wasn't there. And he was just like, Tara, can you do this? And I was like, uh, uh, okay. Uh, okay. And I'm like, that, I don't do this. What, what's happening here? But you know, it was awesome though, that he called to apologize. I thought, you know, that's something that you don't see every day. And I think, you know, probably a reason why it upset him so much is that he is a, a young man in a area of business where he's frowned upon because he is that ideas guy and he's trying to make so much change that I think he just got agitated himself for like kind of falling into the same rhythm that what he's been trying to break all of these other people's habits of doing. Now, were there other women from his company on the call with him when he was on the call with you? Yes, too. Do you I think that they smacked him around after he hung up? Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. Okay. Part of I wonder, because I actually think I've just corrected himself on the call. I mean, hopefully he did. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. The poor guy. Let, let's think that he did. He thought of it himself. We'll never I think, know. I think he thought of it himself. I really do. I don't think like, I mean, we had barely hung up the phone when he was like sending me a text message and calling me to be like, I am so sorry. But wouldn't That's you excellent. have rather he said that to everyone that was on the call? Of course. Mm. Sure. Mm. All right, so Maybe. we'll just leave that one. So I want to what what advice do you have? Let's say that there's um you know a, a woman who's entering project management now who's like maybe you know early mid 20s and she finds herself in that situation. Um she's the only woman or one of the few women in the room full of men and they tend to be, you know, maybe they're more senior, more forceful, more aggressive, whatever. Um what advice do you have for somebody walking into that biased field or biased kind of battle cage? What can they do to protect themselves or establish themselves a little better? Or or maybe it's just the men that need to change. That That's also possible. Well, well that nice. I do think that's a little bit, you know, that's part of it. But, um, you know, that's going to take a long time, I think. Change takes a really long time. Um, for me, what really helped me, I think, oh, I think number one, like you just need to own it. You need to realize that like you, like, this is your job. If you are going to do your job well, like you just need to own it as a project manager anyway, like you need to be very direct because that's, you know, basic, I mean, 90% of our job is having really hard conversations, right? Like that's what we do. Like, sure. You know, we can create timelines and tasks and deal with all of that kind of stuff and check in on the budget. But like, we're the ones that have the really hard conversation where we're like, Hey, by the way, like you're going out of scope and you're going to have to pay more for this or, you know, whatever. We have those difficult conversations every day. So you need to own it. For me, owning it was about kind of educating myself more about the types of work I'm doing. So for me, it's more about like, you know, being able to have intelligent conversations about coding or being able to have intelligent conversations about design and stuff like that, because that was able to people like I would get in a room with a client that was, that was really strong or combative and get it feel a sense that like, they're trying to be like, Oh, just go take notes in the corner. 
And I would actually cr- like come back and be like, no, actually in design, it needs to be this way. And this is why. And it ties back to your goals. And it would kind of shut them up because they're like, oh, she knows what she's talking about. Yeah, I think that's probably really key is to make sure that you and what you're saying is sort of above reproach. So if you say, like, I'm not able to take notes because I'm leading this meeting or whatever the case may be, that you have everything, you know, in place to be able to back that up. It's unfortunate that that's the way it needs to be. It really is because we should all be able to grow at our own pace. Mm -hmm. But I think for a female in this role, you need to accelerate, uh, you know, your learning and your learning curve. So that you don't have to, you know, so that when you do assert yourself, it's with a lot of backbone. Mm-hmm. I think too, Tara, I feel like, so you talked about meetings at the DPM Summit last year, but I feel like in the blog, you wrote a blog post about it too, right? I did. I think I was- part of what you had said in that was like, when you send out a meeting invite, make sure that you assign a note taker. That's exactly what I was going to say is, you know, one of the things that I've learned from is especially a lot of times the project manager is the one that's facilitating the conversation and the flow of a meeting. And I think one of the biggest things to do is be prepared, you know, is make sure that going into that room, someone knows that they're going to be in charge of taking notes so that it's not a matter of, hey, all of a sudden you're expected to be the one to do it. But make sure that you're showing the same level of respect that you would want to see as well. So make sure that person is aware that they're, you know, You've been assigned as the note taker for today um, before they walk into the room. I think another thing, too, is, you know, I agree wholeheartedly with what the um, everyone on the call is saying. Uh, for me, one of the things that I also did was I found a mentor. I found someone, you know, in two different ways, one within each of the different companies that I've worked with or, or worked for, as well as just through the digital PM community, someone that, you know, I can't go and talk to her. I know has my back in these situations and that makes me feel more confident and as though I can do my job to the best of my ability. And the last piece of advice I would say is, you know, you were hired in and someone saw how incredible you are at the job that you were given and don't let anyone take that away from you. You know that you're good at what you do and there's a reason why you're in the seat that you're in. And so you should just own it. So, I, I want to put this out there and see how you respond to it because I'm not sure that it, we can get to resolution on it, but kind of going back to, to what Larissa was saying a few minutes ago about being better prepared for those conversations. So I completely agree on the one hand. And on the other hand, I can think of many times when I've been in that situation and have just said, yeah, I don't know. I know a lot about project management and this is what I'm telling you is going to happen. And that has been taken as, okay, and I'm and I'm not sure if that is because I'm a guy or because of how it was presented or what. But honestly, on the technical side, I often don't know what I'm talking about and just defer to other people or simply say, I don't know. And I never feel like that's a strike against me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's an interesting well, thing I, because I, I feel like that's – yeah, I, I have said like, I, I don't know quite often and that tends yeah. to be the the turning point in the conversation, even if I've been – you know, completely confident up to that point. And I'm saying, I, I don't know the answer to that question is a pretty technical question with some confidence. I feel like a lot of times that's like a hmm moment. But that's not your job to know that. If it was your no, job to know that, not. you would be that right. other role. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the knowledge that I have about the types of people or the types of roles that I manage are very, I mean, it's definitely not in an expert level. Like I say that I say, I don't know all the time to clients. They'll ask me stuff and I'm like, Oh, I have no idea. Let me find out or let me direct you to the person that knows. But um, yeah, I mean, it's also too when like when clients are in a situation where they're, they're doing something that I know is going to hurt their project from a project management perspective. Yeah. I mean, so well, and some of that, you know, the issue for me is somewhat my own fault because, you know, as I sit here and think about it, is it, is it the room picking up on that or is it me feeling like I've done something or I haven't done something that I, I should, or I've been caught in something I don't know. I mean, on a really, you know, cerebral level, when I think about it with my brain, of course, I'm not supposed to know that, but I wonder if I'm also giving off some of those vibes in anticipation of someone thinking that too. So it could just be a self-fulfilling prophecy for me. Yeah, you might need to do one of those Amy Cuddy power stance things and then answer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's true. <laughs> I do those. That's no joke. 
No, that oh, stuff does awesome. work. I love that TED Talk. Um, so th- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a question that I think is going to get me in trouble, but I'm going to ask it anyway. The other thing that, that I was thinking when you were talking about being in those situations where you have to have more depth or where, let's say it's a younger person who's in that situation who may feel compelled to have answers. Um, and, and Tara, what you were saying about having a mentor kind of believing in you, I think is important. But when I have had men and women who were younger coming into this role, part of my advice is always, you just got to say, you know what, fuck it. And just do your thing and pretend you're as brave as you want to be and just take the room and, and leave all your self-consciousness, just drop it at the door, which is really easy to say, but not an easy thing to do. And I'm wondering if that is just a completely idiotic piece of advice to give to somebody, especially a female who's younger. Um, or if like now in your careers, I mean, you guys are all, you, sorry, you ladies are all established. Um, you're able to do that. I'm assuming for the most part. I don't know. I think I still have moments where I feel like I need to like fake it till I make it. I mean, especially like managing big web builds and app builds and stuff. Like, I mean, that technology changes all the time. Like there's new methodologies that come out all the time. So it's, I am constantly, you know, thinking like, and then imposter syndrome always creeps up. I don't think it matters how seasoned you are. I mean, if, if I know anyone that doesn't ever experience imposter syndrome, I would love to chat with them some more about that. <laughs> They're sociopaths. Yeah, they, yeah. Thank you. Because like, it just, it happens. Every single person I know, I mean, people that are seasoned in their industry that have been doing it for 30 years have imposter syndrome. But you don't have that voice in the back of your head, which Patrice may be to what you were saying a few minutes ago. Um, when you get asked a question and you don't know the answer now, you can bluff your way through it and just be like, yeah, whatever. And not feel like, oh crap, this is the moment. This is where it all falls apart because they just (laughs) caught me. Yeah. I mean, I think for younger people, like there's moments where you need to, my friend actually said this this morning, like there's, there's moments where you need to act as if. Yeah. But in those situations, make sure that you don't promise anything technically or digitally to a client that you really don't know about. Because in that situation, I think it's always good to say, I don't know, instead of, making an assumption about technology. Yeah. You got to make sure you're not causing more harm than good by, you know, faking it till you make it so far that you're like, Oh shit, I just faked it so much. We can't do any of this stuff. (laughs) Yeah. We can totally build that. But then you're totally acting like a guy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Um, Um, I think part of the issue too, for younger people who younger women who may, you know, want to try to be assertive is, you know, what's the line between, being assertive and being obnoxious. And then I think a lot of us, myself, I'm, I'm in my forties and I still worry about, you know, I don't want to come off super bitchy. Sometimes it's fine. Sometimes I'm totally fine with it, but in general, like I'm starting a new project or I'm starting at a new company or whatever the case may be. I don't necessarily want to come off bitchy. It is a fine line and it does take a long time to sort of finesse that. And uh, I think for most of us, that happens pretty much throughout our, our whole lifetime. But for a younger woman, it's probably really, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to accept that sometimes you're, you're going to go over the line. You're going to be a little bit obnoxious and you may be looked at as a bitch and you learn that and take that as a learning and, and not do that again. But I think but that's, you know, that, that's a tough part about being young. You're either emotional but- or you're a bitch. Well, but you know, it's funny though, ladies, is that you're, you're kind of stereotyping a woman by even saying that stuff because no one's going to sit here and say that about a guy that if, if a guy comes across (laughs) with, I know a a couple guys I would say that about, but, but you know, it, you know, uh, for a woman, it's, we're being deemed emotional. It's that time of the month we're we're letting our guard go down. We care too much, but if a guy, we're too passionate, you know? Like, why are you getting so upset over this? Like, it's just, it's just the color green. Like, you know, all of these are things that are said toward a woman, but you never hear it being said to a man. Like he's, he's, he's passionate, but he's passionate in the right way. He's authoritative, not a dick. Like, you know, sorry. Now I'm getting, now I'm getting emotional. (laughs) No, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I think it's a really hard thing between what we want to have happen in the world and what we want to see and what the reality is. And it's really hard to say like, you know, act as if all this stuff is already happening um, when, you know, you do it. And the reality is that 
you're not being looked at in the same way. It's a, it's really hard. It's almost like you want to tell these people just, just go hibernate until you're older (laughs) and then come back out or, uh, you know, find yourself an all female, all female company who only deals deals with female clients. I don't know, but it's not easy to tell people to, you know, ignore it, even though that's really the best thing is what you're saying is the best thing is don't play into it. But then sometimes you have to play into it. But mm-hmm. isn't is that is that bitchy role? I, I I guess I don't really want to say it that way. Is is a dominant woman role, dominant female role? Is that sort of an easy um, thing to put on, like to just say, well, this isn't going well. I'm just going to step into aggressive woman mode and just be that way and let them all hate me. I mean, is that like a uh, I don't know. Is that a thing that that can you know people turn to? Like I'm just going to switch into that because it's the only way through this. Like as a barrier. Well, more like a, a mask that you'd put on. Um, a role that you would play in a certain situation just to get through it. And I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if it's just that some people just go that that direction because for whatever reason, or if it's like, well, I'm just going to be this way for right now because it's the best way I can think of to get through this. I don't know. For me, I think sometimes I fall into that mentality because I almost – Come, like it's almost like I'm, you know, mama bear trying to protect my cubs. So if and it, it happens whenever someone is being aggressive or is you know speaking down to my team, or I feel as though my team is being um, hurt by something that I fall into that sort of you know snarky aggro woman mode where I just you cannot stop me from being agitated over the situation and it's it's more of me trying to like protect my team and I don't know if it's like a motherly thing that comes out or where that that natural instinct comes from but that tends to be when I fall into that role more times than not I'm more of like your best friend cracking jokes and you know trying to keep the mood nice and light but the second you attack or come after my team for you know something that they've done that I believe in and that our team believes in then I'm going to attack back and do you have any kind of like self-talk that you do to kind of bring yourself down off the ledge on that one where you are still being strong but not being bitchy for lack of a better word? I do. Um, for me, I, I've now gotten to where I can sense when that's happened and or when that's starting to happen. So a couple of things that I do is I will – I'll stop. I will, you know – as quickly as possible, I'll stop the conversation. I'll take a sip of water. Um, sometimes I've excused myself from the conversation and then walked back into it, or I will try and, you know, direct us into another area. You know, one of the things that I've done in the past is say, you know, I, I think right now we're not going down a constructive path. Why don't we all take a break and we can come back and discuss this at a later time. Okay. Um, so this is kind of going in, in down a path that I was sort of hoping we would head anyway, because I want to bring up two things that we talked about in prior conversations um, and see if we can talk about them again here for folks to maybe become more aware of it. But that mindfulness of where you are in these situations. Um, and I think maybe there's not an answer to this. Maybe it's just more exploration. But during conversations we had getting ready for this call, the, the, the word sorry came up. Um, can one of you guys explain or share how that conversation came about and, and where we were going with that? I think it actually came up when Larissa and I were both talking at the same time and we said sorry to each other. And then we realized that that's a thing that women t- typically do um, whenever they are trying to talk over someone or if they're trying to get their ideas heard or it could be anything at all uh, that is not even close to our fault. Um, it seems a lot of us, myself included, will tend to say, oh, sorry, sorry about that. Oh, you didn't do your work. Sorry, I have to tell you, you have to do your work. It, it, you know, that's sort of where that came <laughs> up. I did that today. I did that earlier today because we're all stressed and we're trying to get something done. And I said, I'm really sorry, but I need you to do this. And I thought to myself, why am I saying I'm really sorry? I need you to do this. But it happens. It so happens. why are you saying it though? You know what? I think it's because I have a hard time being super, super um, aggressive. And it's just a pattern. It's a pattern. It's a habit that I haven't given up since I literally was sorry that I had to tell people what to do. I'm no longer sorry to tell people that they have to do their job, but I'm in this horrible, you know, habit of, of saying it. Now I do it all the time. 
but I, I, at least I am trying to be mindful of it, but it happens all the time. I was told in a lot of jobs growing up, you know, in like retail positions that I was in or, uh, um, in like office jobs going through college and stuff. A lot of people have like taken me aside and told me that number one, like I, I only, I always talk over people. I should stop interrupting. I should not be heard and I should stop being so aggressive. And I've been told that so many times that you get to a point where you start apologizing for telling people to do your, their job when it's your job to tell them to do it. So because I'll, you get into this like weird, this weird pattern. So do you, th- I'm, I'm going to put this out there cause I, I do that as well. Um, and Patrice, I'm very much like you in that I feel super uncomfortable when I have to say, I'm sorry, but I need you to come to work on time. Or I'm sorry, but I need you to keep breathing oxygen or whatever normal <laughs> thing people should just do. I feel like it's, I don't want to be in that situation. And, and I don't want to have to have that conversation. And I feel like somebody has pushed me into that. And that, that puts me in a weird mental space. I'm wondering, when we talked about it before, we talked about the, that sorry was something that women say when they interrupt a conversation. And you guys were doing it to one another when we had that conversation. But I'm thinking about it now and thinking about the way I do the same thing. And I'm wondering if it's just that project management is a field rife with people who are dysfunctional in completely different ways. And that's just, we're just messed up that way. Well, I would agree with you, except there's been so many, so many discussions about this with women in business, just women in life. There's been SNL skits about this, all kinds of stuff. Um, so I would agree with you, except I know that it's not just a PM fucked up thing. It's, okay. it's like an actual thing that, that happens. And I don't just do it in my personal life. Uh, in my professional life, I do it in my personal life. I probably do it in my personal life more than my professional life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a thing that just happens to me a lot. Uh, my husband okay. regularly tells me to stop apologizing. Mine does the same thing regularly. I'll be like, "Why are you? What are you?" <laughs> my sorry? wife never tells me to stop apologizing. Um, <laughs> so, so, what do you when when you become more aware of that? What do you do with that? Or what would what advice would you give to someone like a younger version of yourself? If you could talk to yourself when you were just starting out in this field, what advice would you give that that version of you to to maybe stop doing this so much? Just don't get in the habit of doing it. Stop yourself before you start because it is a habit. It's a habit that we get into. Um, I think you know at some point we've learned over time from our mothers or other people when we were young. Uh, to apologize because they did. They had to apologize. They they had to uh, say they were sorry for interrupting a man. You know, they did that. And it's just been a weird way of handing down. We have to stop doing that to our, our children. But as a young person, if you see that you're saying it a lot, you just have to stop getting in the habit. And once you stop getting in the habit, I think it's probably a lot easier. You don't have to worry about it. It's the habit that starts when we're very young, I think, that just carries over into everything else that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's probably a little self-propelling as well, because you're not just telling the other person it was, you know, maybe I don't have the right to do this, but you're also telling yourself, mm. this is something that I have to apologize for doing. Yeah. Like I see women that I know, you know, that are really, you know, they're really good at their jobs. Even, you know, people that aren't project managers, like they're really good at their jobs and they try to take control because they see something going awry and they're like, you know, this isn't the best way to do it. Like, I think that we should try looking at it this way. And I see them getting called steamrollers. And then I see their male counterparts having the same idea like 10 minutes later and they're getting congratulated and portable. <laughs> That's sad. Like, stop sad. That's sad in every direction. Yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, I think the worst part is that because it creates a dynamic where ideas coming from people, like great ideas aren't valued, aren't given the the time on the floor. And then the people who have those ideas might feel less um, okay or less compelled to share better ideas in the future. So the whole, everyone suffers because of it. It's true. So I want to ask about advice for, for men. Do you have advice to offer men who are in this field, either younger or older, um, about how to tell where that line is. Is it just don't ever do it at work or don't ever do it at work unless a female does it first? Or like, what? how do you see that? Because I think a lot of them are blind to it. 
or I, think I don't have the two, self-awareness. I think there's, there's two things. Would you ever say that to your sister, wife, or mother? Yep. And would you ever say that in front of an HR person? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I was fine until you got to the HR person. <laughs> yep. That is a, I was going to say, I have a friend who owns a company in Phoenix. Um, it's a develop, like they, they're a development company. And, uh, he used to work downstairs for me and like, we would like G chat all the time. And like, we shared projects, like we would design and they would develop stuff. So like we, you know, we became friendly and like, we would chat all the time because he lived close to my house in downtown Phoenix. And like, he would always talk about like, I forget how we got on the topic. I think I was, I was breaking up with my ex and like, we were chatting about it or something. Cause he had just met him. And then it was like, Oh, I hope everything's okay. And like, one thing that he said that is totally true. He's like, um, He's like, I just find it a normal rule to like, I would never say anything or type anything to anybody that I wouldn't be 100% comfortable with my wife or mother reading. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, you know what? Like if you're at work and you're making jokes and like you would be comfortable to do that with your mom standing right next to you, go ahead for most people. (laughs) I don't know. I also think too, like. (laughs) So thank you guys very much. Thank you, ladies. Sorry. Very much. I, I don't even know if that's the word I should be using, but thank Thanks, you. Man. Thank you for being Thanks, a part of this dude. conversation. Yeah. I really appreciate it. This was cool. So um, before we go, if if there's anybody who's been listening that wants to get in touch with, with, with any of you, what is the best way for them to reach you? Uh, for Tara, you can reach me on Twitter at T called Simon. And I'm pretty much always there. So it's pretty easy to find me. Ditto. I'm at Larissa Scordato. And I am at Patrice108 or Patrice108 at gmail.com if you don't want to put it on blast on Twitter. Cool. All right. Thank you very much. I really appreciate this. This was a really cool conversation. And this was the most expletive-laden podcast I have recorded in eight years of podcasting. Oh, when I dropped that <laughs> F-bomb, I felt bad. <laughs> Sorry. I kicked it off, so you can't – you know, don't feel bad about it. But thank you for that as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. Thanks. Hi, this is Dave Pryor for Projects at Work, and I am at the 2016 Scrum Gathering. And right now I'm sitting down with Natalie Warner, and we're going to talk a little bit about gender bias and kind of how working in technology uh, can have an impact if you are female, working in a largely male-dominated environment, and maybe some things that people can do to become more aware of their gender biases and things like that. So Natalie is an independent uh, Agile coach and consultant, um, and you've been doing this for how long? Um, I've been independent for about a year now, but I've been in the the Agile Scrum industry for about six. Okay. And you're one of the um, kind of voices of women in the Agile space. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, a couple years ago, actually, at uh, Scrum Gathering in Vegas, um, three years ago now, wow, um, we did an open space on you know women in Scrum, and that's kind of where it, it started from, just getting together and talking about um, why we weren't seeing more women and uh, what we could do to help get women more involved within the community. Okay. And so I've really I've taken that um, on. Um, I did my master's thesis on it, and. Um, you know, I've come out with a, a lot of great conclusions, and actually there's a, um, a program coming up that will be at um, the day before Agile 2016, the Sunday afternoon before, um, on Women in Agile. It'll be an interesting um, interesting kind of lean coffee event where okay. we'll have a keynote and talk about, again, involvement and benefiting the community as a whole just by getting more voices in there. Okay, so when you, when you do things like the open space, is it mostly women that come, or is it a mix it's mostly women. There are some men that, that come, and that's great um, because, you know, I've said this before, it's not only a women's issue. It's kind of an everybody's issue. Yeah. We want more voices. Yep. Um, we want more diversity. So it's great when, when men show up because they have, um, they have some really interesting questions and things to say. Yeah, different perspectives, and they want to help too. Do you think that – so one of the things I always think about with that is, like, it's great that men are going, but they're probably not the men that you're worried about reaching. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. Um, good point. Yeah, so it's – it's we'd, we'd love to see more more men there, and it's not really a – it's not supposed to be an exclusionary thing. Okay. So do you – I mean, as someone who's female working in a largely male-dominated environment and someone who is, for the average age of the people at the conference, fairly on the younger side of the scale – do you feel like there is um, 
Is it, is it harder for you? Do you think it's harder for you than it might be for other people? I think it was really interesting to try and break into the scene. Okay. Um, you know, because of, yeah, both the age and the gender. Um, looking around, you know, I, I am definitely one of the younger ones and um, didn't really know where to start. Okay. Uh, I was lucky enough to meet a bunch of really good people when I started out, but not everybody has that that opportunity. I mean, that was kind of a, a sheer stroke of luck. Okay. Um, and figuring out what I wanted to do at a at a younger age and really being able to, to break into that. But, yeah, I mean, definitely looking around, you know, not having that, that experience written all over my face. Sure. And, um, yeah, just, you know, in general, just not seeing a lot of, a lot of women around. It's kind of interesting being a young woman in that when you're surrounded by a lot of, you know, older guys. Do you feel like, and I'm not sure I'm going to ask this in the right way, but do you, do you feel like as, as, at a conference like this that you have to kind of carry yourself differently than other people or be more mindful of things in terms of your behavior and things like that because of the people around you? I mean, I try to be fairly mindful in general. Okay. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's, if I've ever thought about it that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I could say that, that I do try to, you know, not, dress too casually, not wearing, wear anything that I wouldn't wear to work, okay. that kind of thing. I mean, it's definitely not a, um, I want to try and, and look the part that I see myself as, not potentially what others may see me as, if so, that makes sense. So if you're listening, Natalie's wearing a suit jacket and I'm sitting here in shorts and a t-shirt. So. He looks great. He looks great. <laughs> but, He's got the, the but vans on. That, I mean, I think that's a, that's a great example because at a conference, like I think at a PMI conference, it would be different, but in this kind of space... That's, I don't even think about that. And I don't feel like I ever have to worry about that, mm-hmm. where I would think that a, um, a woman probably would. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Yesterday when I presented, I, um, I was wearing a dress. Okay. Um, I've been wearing more dresses lately to work, but um, yeah, it's something that I'm like, okay, well, I probably should look nicer. I'm not going to go and put on a suit because I look around and there aren't people really wearing, sure. wearing suits. But then that gets into, oh my gosh, am I, is my dress long enough? Um, you know, are my heels too high? Are they too low? Um, it's, it's interesting because I know guys laugh about that stuff because it's not necessarily what, what, what they think about. about yeah. <laughs> um, but well, what about at work? So you, it, I think the other people that I've interviewed, they're on the project management side. And for you, I think it's maybe a little bit different because when you get brought in, you're there to coach people. You kind of maybe have a little bit of authority. Well, I would assume maybe not, but mm. do, do you have some kind of cred out of the gate because you're the coach? Um, yeah, I like to, I like to think that, um, you know, you, you come in and there's, yeah, potentially some, um, implied authority. Okay. Um, but going back to, to the age thing, I mean, that's something I have to work pretty hard to, to earn as well. Um, it's the same thing. I think when I go into a team, I always have, um, some implied trust with the team, Right. right? They haven't built it yet. I don't know them, but I have to have some set of implied trust with them, just like I would hope that they, you know, see me as having some expertise. Sure. Um, we haven't had a chance to get to know each other. We haven't had a chance to prove to each other right. what we, where we are. Um, but, you so know, that has got to the be the age there. thing and the gender thing. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so what if there, I mean, because there are a lot of women at the conference. Yeah, um, I've noticed, I mean, in the last three, four years I've been coming it's to these things regularly. It has been. It is, yeah. it's, it's very obvious and that's a great thing. Um, you know, thinking back to kind of my first, my first few, it, it didn't, the landscape didn't look like this. Yeah. So when you're, um, working with women who are trying to become scrum masters or establish more credibility with the team, assuming and just making a sweeping generalization that most of their team is going to be guys. Yeah. Are there special things that you try to encourage them or coach them on to help them take more of a, I should say facilitator, but I'm going to say leadership role within that space? Or is that not a concern? Um, you know, it's not something I, I talk to women specifically about, but if I were to, um, if I was asked that question by yeah. a woman, I, I would definitely um, say that it, it really goes back to a lot of the confidence in your own abilities. Um, don't okay. be worried about looking bossy. That, and that was one of the things that, that came up in the other interviews mm-hmm. that I've done is that when a woman tries to be com- commanding or, or bossy, that she's a bitch. Yeah. 
And, and that's, and whereas a guy never has that happen. And unfortunately, that, that is true. Um, I find that I just kind of have to embrace it. <laughs> you just own it. I, I do, you know, and it's, my, my teams know, um, they know that, they know the difference between serious, let's get stuff done, right. and okay, now it's time to be, you know, more casual. Okay. Um, they can see that, that kind of difference in the way I'm talking, the way I'm, I'm looking at them. Um, and yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure the bitch word gets thrown around behind my back, but you but know, what you just I think it's okay. This, it's carrying yourself as well. Right. Your voice, your face, the way you're standing, all of that plays into it. Right. Right. And you know, that's, that's a, that's a societal perception that we're not going to quickly change, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I take it the other way, and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to own it. Okay. Yep, this is putting on the bitch face. That's fine. <laughs> Bitchy outer face. Um, <laughs> so when you're working with... It, I'm assuming that if people are listening to this, they're already concerned about gender bias to begin with, but when you're around a situation where there are clearly people in the room that have a bias one way or the other, because the bias could be... Women thinking less of women as well as right, women thinking less of women. Right, right. Um, are there things that you do to try to help people become more mindful of that or more aware of that? Or you know, you just it's, try to push through it? And- it's calling it out, um, calling out the elephant in the room if you're seeing it, right? Okay. Um, you know, and I think, I, I think sometimes, a lot of times people aren't aware of it, and that's actually, um, that's something I'm, I'm working through um, on a, upcoming presentation for Agile 2016 is, you know, how do these, how do these biases we harbor, whether we know we have them or not, how do they impact our behavior? Okay. And, um, so I have some really interesting exercises that, um, I'm working on developing for that. To make people become more aware. Exactly. Of, Cause it is okay. things that I've, I've seen and I haven't known the best way to address it. Yeah. Um, so. And they're not really things you can completely avoid. Everybody's biased. About oh, things. exactly. Exactly. But it's, it's becoming aware and kind of, um, owning that bias. Right. Okay. Um, if it's, you know, if it's not a, a poor one, or even if it is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own this bias. I'm going to try and understand why I have it. Okay. I'm going to understand how it, you know, how it influences me, how it, how it affects others. Okay. Um, and, you know, really, because I mean, I'm, I'm biased towards women, right? I'm, yeah. I'm a female. I'm going to, you know, help women wherever I, I can. And, um, you know, if you ask me what the superior gender is, you know what I would say. <laughs> I would probably say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> is your wife listening? No, but I mean, I, you know, we're dumb people. So, um, now on your, when I was kind of looking at your bio and stuff, you've got aspiring feminists. Mm-hmm. There. So what, what, what does that mean to you and why do you have that in there? Yeah, that's, um, that's a good question. I mean, I think feminism gets a very negative connotation. Um, it's all about, you know, burning bras and not shaving your legs and, um, rah, rah. Right. Really, it's about equality. It's about treating people the same, um, treating people fairly. Um, and I put aspiring on there because I'm definitely a work in process, right? I'm a work in progress. I, you know, I could, uh, I can proclaim that, yes, I am, you know, super feminist, but I notice things, too, about myself. Okay. Um, I'll give you an example here, and this kind of goes back to the bias, right? Sure. I'm at the gym, and I'm working out, and I look over to my left, and there's a woman next to me who is wearing, um, you know, some really tight running pants, and she's got, you know, this low-cut tank top on, and the first thing that pops into my mind, I'm like, why in the hell are you wearing that at the gym? Who are you trying to pick up? And then I go, wait a second, Natalie. What did you just do there? Like, just yeah. made this judgment, had this, this you know, bias you, in my head. You can't really stop that. Well, it's, I mean, it's, going back to, like, you can't Malcolm Gladwell it. stuff, it's going to happen. Right, you can't stop it, but then I had to think through, and I'm like, all right, let's think through this a little bit here. That happened. Right. How could I think about this differently? Maybe, maybe this woman lost a lot of weight, and she's really excited about how she looks. Maybe, um... Maybe she wants to have her arms um, not covered because when she's, you know, lifting weights, she can kind of see the muscles working and see sure. where she's targeting. I'm like, or maybe she is trying to pick up a guy. Or and maybe there's she nothing is. wrong with that. Exactly, exactly. But it's like, why did that judgment come to my head, and why was it, you know, so glaringly, obviously negative? All right, now, that, you, those are that's going to happen. But how can I look at this differently? Sure. To make sure that I'm judging others fairly, or. Or equally. So or if you equally, saw some, right? some guy, mm-hmm. like totally cut guy, like really 
well, I don't know, whatever kind of clothes he's going to wear to really show off his, his health. Um, do you have a similar thought about that? Um, do you think that you would? If, if I saw a guy at the gym wearing, like, a really tight shirt and whatever, um, I don't know. It would depend on it would depend, depend on the way the person carried themselves, the guy carried okay. themselves. If he is walking around super pretentiously puffed out chest, I mean, there are, I'd probably yeah, be like, so what like, in the world like is this guy doing, yeah. right? Um, but, yeah, you know, it's, it's... But that's even a very different reaction to exactly. why did she wear that because she's picking some guy up to, oh, why, why in the world is he doing it? Exactly. Even the tone in your voice is different. Yeah, so that ties back to this aspiring thing. I'm not yeah. there. Okay. I, I cannot claim to be perfect. Um, and, you know, I need to continue working at that, and I want to try and achieve that, that okay. better level of, um, of fairness and equality and judgment and everything else in all of my, in all of my interactions. But that's obviously a very lofty goal. Right. But I'm aspiring toward it. Okay. Do you do you get the sense that at a, at a conference like this or in work in general that for the female contingent that that they feel somewhat discounted or like they have to overcome the biases is it as significant here as it would be in the traditional like waterfall organization or environment? I would say probably not as significant here as in a traditional organization with okay. with waterfall. I mean, I think. In the Agile community, I mean, we're pretty open to a lot of things, yeah. um, and you know, open to open to change. We love new ideas. Now, that being said, you do still have to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, is that harder for a woman to do? Not necessarily, but it feels harder because okay. there are just there are fewer around, even though we have, you know, that number is increasing. Right. Um, you know, personally, I feel like I need to get up there when I'm speaking and I need to establish my credibility pretty quick. Oh, but I also need to try and be funny and, um, you know, do all these other things so that they'll like me. Right. Whereas, you know, guys, as guys, I don't think are as much, uh, as worried as much about, are they going to like me? You know? Yeah. Or establishing that credibility. Of course, I have credibility. I think, yeah, know? they probably feel like they have a certain amount just because they're guys and they're. Right. Yeah. Well, and I got into the. Or they're you know, completely unaware of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and I think a lot, of, a lot of people probably think, well, I got into this conference um, to speak, so that means I have credibility. Yeah, that's there. Um, but it's still, you know, establishing Maybe that with. yours to lose. With your, with your audience. Yeah. Am I going to yeah. lose this, this credibility? Um, I can't tell you, you know, I can't tell you necessarily how guys think about it because I'm not one. Okay. But that's that's kind of how I see it. And right. there's a lot of stuff going through my head the first, you know, minute or two of that presentation. Yeah. Did I, you know, did I get it started right? Am I off on the, the yeah. right foot? What about support within the, the community of women in the Agile space? Is there, I mean, because I know you've, you've done stuff like that. You're going mm-hmm. to be doing stuff like that. You got the event coming up at the Agile conference. Um, is there like a, a group of like a support network or anything i mean is there not like is there a secret club but do you guys help each other out um you know i think that we're working on it okay right i know the women i can reach out to um but part of that comes from just being around and meeting people okay if again it's, it's hard to break into unfortunately and it's probably hard for everybody to break into but I'm talking um, about at a conference at a conference just well the community in general right yeah. I mean you know you've been around here for a while you have all your friends mm-hmm. you know we look around at, at uh, the evenings right and everyone's in their little clique yeah. you know who hangs out with who yep. um, that's super intimidating you know when, when you first new. yeah when yeah. you're new and so you know at a conference or in the community in general if I'm newer to that um, who am I going to reach out to if I don't have someone at my company right or I mean, I'm, I'm independent mm-hmm. that's a really hard thing sometimes because you don't have that right and right did so you I volunteer or anything like that when you first started coming to the conferences no I just did it you just showed up but that's not something that I would say everybody does. Yeah. Um, I'm a pretty introverted person, like I said, but I still kind of do those things. I force myself to do them. Yeah. Um, but we need to work on getting a better, a better network out there. Okay. Um, and you know, the hardest part of that is building relationships takes time yeah. and building valuable relationships where you trust the people, they understand what you're looking for. Yeah. You know, you can help them out on these things. People know where to, where to reach out. Um, that that takes time and it's it's tough to to break into that for everybody but you know unfortunately my gender tends to be very catty as well so 
that makes things a little harder too. You have a smaller group, right? They're a little yeah. more clicky. You're trying to break into it, um, and then it's like, oh well, now this person's here, this other woman's here. She's competition for me. Yeah, because like you said, there's not a lot. There's it's hard to break right. into. There's not a lot of spots. And- right, right. And so the the thing that that I talk about um, is unfortunately when women look at you know so think of a pie chart right they look at this slice of the pie that they have right so let's say 25 percent okay um we're fighting over that 25 percent amongst each other we're not looking at that other 75 percent as even anything we can we can gain away that you're you're gonna give up your ground it's yeah so it's like well why can't we take some of that 75 percent let's make it more 50 50 Mm -hmm. um let's stop being at each other's throats um and let's you know work on on getting more of that that pie yeah okay cool um and and i asked before the interview but i ask it again while while we're talking about it now at a conference like this there is no metric that's gathered on gender of people that are present so we don't even know exactly how many women or men are here right um yeah the registration doesn't ask gender and so I would, I would love that. It'd be interesting to see, especially if we go back over the last few years. Yeah. Um, I've actually had, um, I've had people take a look at just the names of the speakers right. or, the, or the attendees and try and figure out just based on name. Sure. Um, it's a little tough to, to do that, obviously, that way. Um, so it would be really good to be able to have that metric just to see if we're even improving, right? Yeah. Um, which I think we are. But it would be good to be able to see where we came from and where we are now sure. and what our trajectory could be yeah. in the future. Cool. Okay, so if people want to find out more about you or they want to hire you as a consultant, yeah. um, how can they do that? Um, so my website is nataliewarner.com and that's the, that's the best place to go. I got an email out there and okay. bio pictures, all that good stuff. Um, otherwise, LinkedIn is a good way, Twitter. Cool. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. All right, thanks, Dave. Mm-hmm. 